Hello everyone out there in radio podcast land. This is Kirk Hammett from Metallica, and you're listening to Gilbert Godfrey's amazing colossal podcast. Run for your lives! <laughs> This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santopadre. We're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a musician, producer, occasional actor, and popular vocalist who was one half of the legendary singing and recording duo Sandler and Young. He's recorded over 600 songs in six different languages, performed to sold-out crowds in four continents and dozens of countries, including the U.S., the U.K., France, Belgium, Germany, Italy, Finland, and Denmark, to name a few. He's also sold out millions of records internationally. Sold millions of records internationally. Yes, I know. (laughs) He sold millions of records internationally and appeared on numerous TV variety shows throughout the 1960s and 70s including The Dean Martin Show, The Ed Sullivan Show, The Joey Bishop Show, The Red Skelton Hour, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, The Hollywood Palace, and, of course, The Sandler & Young Craft Music Hall, which he hosted with his longtime singing partner and friend, Ralph Young. He's also produced successful live productions, appeared in films, hosted television specials for PBS, and toured the world in a one-man show on the life and music of one of his idols, Maurice Chevalier. In a career spanning seven decades, he's worked with and befriended dozens of well-known performers, including Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Victor Borga, Ella Fitzgerald, Milton Berle, Elvis Presley, Phil Silvers, Lena Horne, Sid Caesar, and Vincent Price. Please welcome to the podcast an artist of many talents in addition to many languages, a man who once performed for the Pope and had the good fortune to kiss former podcast guest Barbara Felden. 
the great Tony Sandler. That, wow. That's what I'm most jealous of you for. Really, Barbara he, Feldon? Yes. Yes, he got to kiss Barbara Feldon on the Kraft Music uh, Hall. Yep, 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 I did that. I did that. <laughs> nice job, Tony. Yes, thank you. Wow, what an intro. I, I'm tired just hearing it all. <laughs> now, you're, I, I, you've had and still continue to have, you know, like this incredible and glamorous career and life in general. But what what's fascinating when you read about you is you had anything but a normal, uh, stable upbringing. Exact. <clears throat> exact, Gilbert. You know, being born in Flanders, um, <clears throat> uh, the flatlands in Flanders, uh, I had no idea what was going to happen, and certainly not that I was going to wind up uh, headlining in Vegas. I mean, you know, who could dream that as a little boy back in Flanders? And through circumstance and through, uh, I guess, fortune in a sense, there's a lot of very talented people in the world, of course. And, you know, when you're singled out to uh, make it that way, that, that's pretty special, no doubt about it. Yeah, you were one of uh, eight kids, Tony, you were telling me on the phone. Born in born in Belgium in Flanders. I was the fourth out of eight. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I was seven years old when the Germans invaded uh, uh, Belgium. I think that's what Gilbert was alluding to a moment ago. Yeah, how your life suddenly changed. So I I, I just don't know how my parents did it. To, to have food on the table for uh, uh, close to five years of occupation, four and some uh, months, uh, you know, and... The Germans were ruthless, as you know, but there was an interesting aspect to that. Flanders, uh, Flemish people are, are, in a sense, considered Germanic. And what Hitler wanted to do after he invaded us, he wanted to normalize, actually, uh, as quickly as possible. So kids went back to school immediately. Uh, food was scarce. I mean, <clears throat> then when it really uh, started to get ugly when the English succeeded to uh, to get back to their island, 300,000 of them, uh, in the beginning of the war, I, I clearly remember, actually, uh, that one day where it was quiet, from total chaos, everybody trying to get to the coast, get to Dunkirk, and get, get on whatever they could get on to get to England, 300,000 escaped, as you know. That's history. There was this quiet, and all of a sudden, this steel army came through. The tanks, the gleaming helmets, the boots, the fanfare. Can you believe it that they passed through our little village with a magnificent uh, 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 marching band, the Germans? Hmm. Just incredible. So... At first, we didn't know what hit us, of course, um, but it quickly sunk in because, for example, if we were caught listening to the BBC or to Churchill at the time, you could be shot right there. Um, It's just something that Americans have never experienced, luckily, occupation. So, but... Contrary to what, to what people would think, actually, um, the closeness of our family was so strong 
the survival in a sense that this became like a, 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 a fantastic time for us survival and well there's much more to the story because when <laughs> when in 42 the allies uh, begin to bomb germany they always passed over our head squadrons of uh, of american bombers i mean sky black with planes and we knew as kids we were laying in the ditch there watching as they went over our heads and uh, uh, we knew when they went to berlin they went to hamburg or they went to Hanover or Frankfurt or, or München or Leipzig. We knew the direction they took from from where, from our, our point there, where we were in Flanders. So then on the way back, uh, gentlemen, that was always something to see. Uh, planes uh, on, on one motor trying to make it back to England. Planes crashing all around us. Uh, one crashed, uh, as I recall, I was maybe nine years old then, uh, about, oh, I would say a couple of hundred yards from where we live, from our house. And uh, the explosion and all that. And uh, my brother, my older brother, Pierre, ran. And I was in the back. I couldn't run as fast as they could. They were older. And he stumbled. I, I told that story to uh, to Frank the other day. Yes, he stu- he stumbled over a, a booth, a pilot booth with a foot still in it. You know, it's a, 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 a incredible stuff. Unbelievable. By the way, I should also tell you that um, several of my immediate family were killed by Allied bombs, and that had to do with uh, the Germans. The German. Uh, fortification of the west coast of course all through railways so by like clockwork uh, the Americans uh, did carpet bombing there was no precision bombing at the time as you know there was carpet bombing so anything that was in the path was annihilated and so we lost uh, uh, three or four of our immediate family in those bombing raids yeah very sad. Well, uh, that's a great interview, right? To start on a sad note. <laughs> well, <laughs> your history is fascinating. We had we have to include it. Yes. And and now, well, like they marched into uh, your village, which I think you said you didn't believe they could actually make their way. You were like in the forest. Well, no, no, no. I mean, Flanders is a flat land, you know. Uh, yeah. And uh, actually, I li- I was born in Lowe, a little town uh, about 40 kilometers from, from, from the seaside. Uh, but <clears throat> what, uh, what was always interesting that uh, Flanders was kind of spared in many ways. In a sense, spared by the Germans, they were a lot tougher on the French or the Dutch, a lot tougher. And um, they tried to normalize. In fact, they recruited a lot of Flemish boys to go and fight for them in Stalingrad and in Leningrad, which was incredible. You know, uh, they found a way to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, to uh, just uh, get them on their side. It's just amazing, Tony. What's one of the things that's fascinating in, in, in reading your story, and it's all this. This can all be found on Tony's uh, wonderful website, by the way, TonySandler.com. There's a lot of biographical information about Tony. 
But one of the things that fascinated uh, uh, Gilbert and fascinated me was that the occupation was that you, 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 the occupation was literal in your sense because you had a German soldier living in your home with your family. At well, one that, point, that, the next day uh, after they invaded us, uh, after all that that gleaming armor and lamer and, and passed through. Uh, yes, every household had a German staying there at night. That was, uh, of course, designed to control the population, of course, and 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 all that. So we had this man that was sitting there um, uh, every night, came in around six and stayed until six in the morning. And he slept on the floor or whatever, I, I forgot. But, you know, we had a pretty crowded house, ten, uh, eight kids, father and mother. And in the evening, <clears throat> my father was um, a, a very religious man, Achille. And there was always evening prayer there in the house. And one night he was sitting there in the corner just watching the, the scene. And all of a sudden, tears were rolling out of his eyes of that German guy. And he whipped out a photo of his family, his wife, and four kids. Uh, which also shows you the other side of the story. Of course. Uh, which is crazy in a sense. And, and, you know, but they replaced them. After they became too familiar with a the family, they were always replaced. And we had some really a-holes in there, too, I can tell you. Wow. Oh, so he didn't stay long. The first, they stayed the first for occupier. About, uh, uh, no more than a couple of months. I see. And now, what were the a holds like? What did they? Well, they were obviously uh, Nazis. Yes, uh, yeah. this, this, <laughs> yes. This, it's redundant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gilbert, Gilbert, this guy was was just a, a regular soldier that didn't want to be there in the first place. He missed know. his family. Well, well, yeah, he didn't yeah. want to be there in the first. Yeah, yeah. That's, and, uh, and he was replaced by someone more harsh. Oh yeah, less sympathetic uh, to the to your your plight. Stern uh, SOBs, you know, uh, just uh, just terrible, actually, frightful. Me yeah. as a kid, I looked at this guy like, holy mackerel, you know. Did oh, you some of those guys? Did you guys have? Did the family have a radio in the attic? Did you guys have? You mentioned that you alluded to that before. Did you have to sneak into the attic to listen to the BBC reports? Yes, we had a little radio, and uh, occasionally we heard boom, 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 boom. That was the the signal from the from uh, the BBC in London. Boom, 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 boom. Right, and uh, there were uh, commentators, and occasionally we heard Churchill. We heard we heard him talk, but if they would have caught you. That would have been the end. And Fascinating. You, you originally, your family tried to escape on bicycles. Well, when the invasion came and the uh, first time was there were there were artillery shells all, all over the place coming from the Germans to try to kill as many uh, uh, Brits and others that wanted to escape to England. And so during that period, my father got really, really so scared. So we grabbed everything we could on bicycle then and started running from the house because the, the house was shelled too, our house. Not damaged too much, but it was shelled. So we wandered around for two, three days, which is just crazy. I mean, uh, uh, in circles, in cer not knowing where to go. 
until we came one night. We, we, we didn't know where we were going to sleep or what or what was happening. That a German officer saw this whole family together, and this guy had a, a heart somehow. He showed us a barn where we could sleep at night. You know, it, it's just uh, when you look at it all, when I look at it back after all those years, uh, I really, uh, Gilbert, I don't know what to say. Uh, that was uh, closeness of the family was our strength. And so after running around for two, three, four days, we went back home. All the windows were shattered and everything that, so we replaced that, and that was that. Then we were occupied by the Germans, that was that. And and what's interesting, too, is that here you are in this area where, like, you know, thousands of Jews had already been rounded up and taken out of there, and there was hardly any food, and you had Nazis living in your house you were told, just live normally, go back to everything. Like, wasn't that the announcement you had that the Nazis said, all of you should go back home and to work and just behave normally? See, we had, you know, Antwerp, uh, the diamond uh, center of the world at the time, uh, was mostly controlled by Jewish people. Uh, you probably know that, Gilbert. So, interestingly enough, I, I uh, Mimi, my wife, for 60 years now, uh, lived in Ypres, uh, which is a town a little, a little more clo uh, closer to the uh, to, to the North Sea from where I was. And her father, uh, Gerard, was in the textile business, and he had a lot of uh, Jewish connections because he dealt a lot with Jewish uh, uh, business people. So. What happened there is that my wife came from a, a, a pretty wealthy family. Her father did very well in the, in the textile business. Uh, my father was a proletarian. He was a, a working man. And uh, what happened there is that as soon as the Germans occupied Flanders, a lot of the uh, uh, top brass needed to stay somewhere. So they took over uh, big big homes, like my father-in-law's. They had a patrician house with, uh, actually there were 107 doors in that house. So 107 <laughs> doors? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> because because Mimi, Mimi kept the keys of all those doors at one time. So, wow. So uh, here's what happened. They connected. They dined there, they smoked cigars there, they ate caviar, they did all that stuff, and uh, Mimi's mother was a, was, a, was a hell of a cook, actually, terrific cook. So they weren't forced, actually, but there became a connection, because most of those top brass people were not necessarily on the side of Hitler. It was kind of a very interesting dynamic that happened there. And so... They got to know each other very well. My father-in-law listened to those people, and some of those guys told him ahead of time that there was going to be a raid on this Jewish family or this Jewish family or another Jewish family. So what did he do? Uh, Gerard, Gerard Vandenberg was his name, uh, my father-in-law. 
he uh, got those people, smuggled them because Ypres is only five or six kilometers from the French border, not too far from Lille, France. Lille, you heard of Lille, of course. So he smuggled them into France, and through connections of those, some of the German officers, he put them in the mess of the German officers in Lille as cooks as in the kitchen. So these guys on top there, they never knew who was cooking for them. They didn't care if the food was right. So he saved close to, from what I have learned, close to 20 Jewish uh, people from the concentration camp. So he was kind of a, a small Schindler in a way. Yes. Yes, that's well. That's, that's an amazing story. It, it is, uh, Gilbert, because after the war, the um, uh, when everything cleared, a lot of people jealous of the Vandenberg family because they did well during the war. Uh, they rounded them up. They rounded up my my mother-in-law, shaved her head in, in, the, in the public square, put him in jail, and he lost all his rights. And he was feeding the whole, the whole town, by the way, during the war. Wow. But je- jealousy, Gilbert, you know what that, what that is. People get jealous. People said, why does he, can he do that and I can't? That's just, that's the other side of the story. That's a shame. A, a man of principle. Man of principle. Yes. Of principle. Very yes. much so. M- yeah. Mimi must be very proud of her father. That's, that's quite. I was, a, proud of, I was proud of this guy. And proud but, too. You too. It was quite an accomplishment. But strangely enough, and you would not believe that, uh, Frank and Gilbert, it was some of those connections, those German connections, that brought me to my career in Germany after the war. Yeah, tell us, tell us Can about you believe that. Tell us about that because that's a very strange turn of events. That that's a strange <laughs> opening of a door to well, the showbiz. But, uh, yeah, can you believe this? There was a, a man by the name of uh, from Leonberg, which is close to, uh, to to Frankfurt. There, he had an amusement park. This guy, his name was Weigel Schmidt, and Weigel Schmidt was a, a good man. And this guy was when I was already established as a singer in Flanders, took me to perform for him in in, in Leonberg. Can you believe this? <laughs> And that's where Ariola, the, the, who was who became a very strong German uh, recording company, discovered me, and consequently I recorded over a hundred songs in Berlin for for Ariola. Is that strange or what? Very strange. <laughs> Ariola had built. When I landed in in Berlin, it was totally bombed out, ninety percent. And Ariola had built a. Um, a studio in a basement of a totally destroyed building, a large building. Uh, 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 something fantastic, you know, the Germans and the, the technology was was always there, of course. And Ariola was one of the finest recording studios in all of Western Europe. In the basement of a bombed out city. Yeah, next <laughs> to the wall. Because when we walked Unbelievable. out... Uh, when we walked out after a session or some smoking a cigarette outside, we were right by the wall and we saw the little turrets and the Russians uh, in every one of those uh, uh, turrets staring at us. Uh, we couldn't give them the finger because they might have shot us too. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, sir. When when were you perform? When we when did you start performing on the uh, on the French Riviera at the Cafe Roma? That Tony. happened after after I was established in Germany. You, you established in Germany on Ariola Records, and then yeah, and then that, Europe started opening up to you. What what happened? Germany became Switzerland and Austria. Mm-hmm. 
where I became, uh, where I was quite popular. Like I said, over 100 songs that I digitized, they're all in a package here uh, to be heard. They gave me uh, the most magnificent orchestras there and, and choirs, and I have some terrific recordings that became very big hits uh, in Germany. So here's this guy from Flanders that now becomes a hit in Germany. Now, the Flemish hate me, <laughs> because <laughs> they say Tony Sandler he always sings in another language. <laughs> yes, sir. And yes, sir. Tell us again how many languages you speak. Uh, well, Gilbert, I speak five fluently. Wow. I speak. I speak. Uh, I'm called my native language Flemish. French, because uh, Belgium is divided into two uh, uh, languages, French and Flemish, as you know. I went to a French school. I was going to become a doctor like my older brother and quit in the middle there because I, I made a recording that was called The Song of the Sea, at least from the Zee oh, yeah. in Flemish. And, and I was uh, all of a sudden established in Flanders. That led me then on to other things and expand more and more. Yeah. How did you decide? You, why did you decide to change your name, Tony? You were you were born Lucien. My Sant- name Santale. is, is Lucien Joseph Santale. Now, can you imagine, Gilbert, for a minute that I keep Lucien Joseph Santale, and then I team up with Raphael Israel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we, which, yeah. which, which is Ralph Young. Yes. So can you see that on the marquee at, at the Flamingo in Vegas? <laughs> Lucien Joseph Santelli and Raphael Israel. <laughs> that, that doesn't work very well, No, Sandler and Young scans a little better. No. It, it, it's, it seems like, right? Uh, and, and Ralph said, why would this have to be Sandler uh, first and then Young? Could it be not to be Young and Sandler? I said, no, it sounds better. Sandler, Sandler and Young. And Young. Well, t- well, tell you, uh, Gilbert, the funny part is they they thought Ralph was the was the goy and that you were the Jewish fella. Well, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Sandler is, is actually a Jewish name. When I came to America, I met a lot of people, especially in the Boston area. Sandlers, right? They're a lot of, they're, <laughs> That's so they're funny. Shoe, there's shoe manufacturers in Boston that are called Sandler, the Sandler family, and so yeah, that that was always. That was funny too. I mean, they they thought I was I was the Jewish fella and Rob was a goy. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And because there he is, a guy named Israel with the name Young, right? Which sounds like the most Gentile name. Well, Rob, you know where Rob came from, right? No, Rob came from the Ukraine. His family. He was what they call white Russian. Oh, and landed in New York. And uh, I know he was raised in the Bronx. Oh, he, he was born in the Bronx. Oh, born in the Bronx, yeah. I mean, his his parents, I guess, uh, emigra- emigrated from the Ukraine. So, yep. <laughs> and how did you first meet up with him? What happened? One day at, in 63, uh, a, a producer, uh, a, an impresario from Milan came to me, <laughs> whom, whom I knew through the years, and said, um, Tony, I just got a call from a producer in Vegas, and he he um, he's looking for another uh, singer for a contract for three months with the Casino de Paris show. I said, well, uh, oh, yeah, okay, I'm listening. And he said, the um, but you have to be in Milan tomorrow uh, 
by 10. Now, Alasio is a ways from Milano, especially when you have to go through the mountain little passes to get there. There was no big uh, autostrade there at the time. So I said, how am I going to do that? I have to perform uh, here tonight, and then I have to be there at 10, and then I have to be back to perform that same night. How am I going to do that? And I had a guy by the name of Pravatoni, a friend, who was a, an Italian fighter pilot who had a, um, a, a terrific sports car. And uh, I said, well, uh, Giordano, uh, what do you think? Can you get me to Milan tomorrow? You know Milan very well. I don't know Milano that well. He said, yeah, uh, uh, as soon as you're done uh, performing here, uh, I'll drive you. I said, you're going to drive me? Yeah, okay. So after the show, we jump in his car. Four and a half hours later, we're in Milan. Slept a little bit, and he got me there at 10 o'clock. And whom do I meet? Frederick Apcar. Frederick Apcar is sitting in his office there. Uh, I walk in. I had brought some stuff, some film work that I had done. Some I wanted to convince this guy that I was worth it, I guess. So he looks at me, uh, Frederick looks at me, and, he, and in French he said, Comment tu mesures? Combien tu mesures toi? How tall are you? I said, uh, one meter, 87 centimeters. That's uh, six foot two. He said, you want to go to Vegas? You're hired. I said, well, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) He said, yeah, I have. uh, I hired uh, a New Yorker, Ralph Young, who is about six one, and I wanted to match him next to <laughs> next to Lynn Renault. <laughs> and uh, that's an incredible story. I, and I, I, I called Mimi. Mimi was in Belgium. I said, Mimi, I, they want me to go to Vegas. What do you think? She said, go. <laughs> Let's go. That's what she told you to do. <laughs> Let's go, she said. So I did have two uh, small kids at the time, uh, my oldest, Valerie and Natalie. And... That was a bit of a problem, but we solved that. They stayed with the grandparents uh, for the time being, thinking, uh, guys, that I was only going to go for three months, you know. So after two weeks, the Casino de Paris show with Lean Renault starring was such a hit that uh, Opcar came to me and said, I want want you to sign a year's contract. And I said, Fred, geez, I can't do that because I I have so many pending... stuff in Europe. I was going to go to Tivoli Gardens in, 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 uh, in Copenhagen and uh, contracts I had all over the place in Europe. And he said, why don't you try to uh, postpone them and stay? You know, this is such a big hit here, the casino, which it was. I mean, the Casino de Paris was a hell of a show. At the Dunes hundred, Hotel. At the Dunes, yeah. yeah. A hundred, a cast of a hundred. Mm-hmm. I mean, lots of people there. Uh, mostly Europeans. Ralph was actually the only American in the whole group. And um, as Ralph, Ralph actually tried to convince me, he said, come on, Tony. He said, you stay here for a year, and you go back to Europe, you, you were in Vegas for a year. Uh, that, that should be impressive for the people. By the way, when Ralph met me uh, in Milan for the rehearsal uh, for that show, Ralph came to Milano to rehearse for all, probably for a two-week period, and to for to the costumes and all the stuff that had to were all done in Milano and then flown over to Vegas. Uh, 
And I took Ralph because we had a couple of days off. You know, it was nonsense what we did in that show. I mean, after a day or two, I was so bored, you know, with the, the naked girls running around you. And, 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 you know, that was not what I did in Europe. I was headliner in Europe and, mm -hmm. and I did my one hour show. You, you can imagine what that of was. Course. It was like a, sh a shock for me. Culture, culture clash. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I said to Ralph, you know, I'm so bored here. I, I just, but he convinced me, Ravi said, so here I stay. And good postponed stuff, all, especially the, the Cafe Roma contract was always very lucrative for me. And this guy, the owner, uh, flew into Vegas two times to convince me to come back. But I signed for a year. And during that year, uh, Ralph and I started... Uh, fooling around in the dressing room. That's when uh, Elvis Presley came in and sat in our dressing room often because Elvis had his eye on a, on a, on a beautiful French girl dancer. So <laughs> Elvis would sit there. Uh, <laughs> he had to be we were, very young at this point in his life. He was, he was, yeah. He was, nice guy. I, from what I remember, Elvis, you know, I met him many times later, but... Um, he uh, he sat there quiet in the dressing room. That's the only place he could sit backstage to wait. And uh, while we were putting on our crazy costumes and doing all the stuff we did in that dumb show. <laughs> <laughs> is, does footage exist of that show, Tony? Can people see what that show was? Is there is there film? That I don't know. Yeah, Frank. God, I'd love I, to I, see it. Yeah, I don't know. It was one of those lavish. Yeah, I can imagine. Nude uh, shows. Sure, sure, sure. Ralph was in uh, Les Brown's Band of Renown, by the way, oh, Gilbert, wow. which is a pretty cool thing. Ralph, yeah. yeah. Ralph, Ralph had established himself as what they call the king of the production singers. And that's as far as he went until he met me. And he acknowledged that many times uh, mm -hmm. during our career. But to go back a little bit, I took Ralph while we were rehearsing in Milan to... I took him to Berlin, I took him to um, a studio in Brussels and all that, and he heard the stuff that I had done, and he, Ralph said, Jesus. He said, I know so many people in America. He said, uh, uh, can I be your manager? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's funny, isn't it? But yes. that's, that, that's, that's what it was. Yeah, he so saw an opportunity. Uh, yeah, well, there it is. And and you and uh, Ralph seemed like you liked each other from the start. You know what I discovered, Gilbert? Um, <clears throat> I had been a, a choir singer, as you know, and all all I I was very good at harmonizing, at at locking my voice in, even when I was a soprano as a kid. And so when I started singing with Ralph, Ralph had that robust beautiful ba bass baritone voice, mm -hmm. you know, Ralph Young. And when I locked, I could lock in my voice to that voice so close, so beautiful, so harmonious that actually it became a larger sound. You can hear that on our recordings, actually, when you listen to them. Uh, so I recognize that there was something special but then we came up with the quote libet, where he sings one song and I sing another in another language at the same time, <clears throat> right? That was our specialty. Sure. 
Wat hij zijn Dominique. Dominique, ja. Dominique is aan de let. Dat zijn voor mij. Hij zei, way down upon the Swadee River. You know, <laughs> far, far away. And that was... But I, I'm getting ahead of my story, actually, by, because that only happened after we signed with, 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 uh, with Capital. But here we are, and we create this act. And uh, we're in the Catskills, I remember. Uh, we, we performed at the Neverly or something. And we, we were such a hit. Actually, uh, uh, you know the Jewish crowd in, in the Catskills at the time, Gilbert, I don't know, but... They were pretty rough, those people. So as we walked to the stage through the audience, uh, one guy would grab my my, my my sleeve and said, are you any good? <laughs> uh, you know, you know the atmosphere there in the Catskills. Yes. And so we really hit it so big there at the Neverly that Ralph, the next day, said, I, I, I got a... I got to introduce you to Lou Walters. Lou, uh, Ralph had worked with Lou. Oh, at the Latin at, Quarter. At, at the Latin Quarter for all those years. And um, so we walk into Lou Walters' office, and Lou is sitting behind his desk. And Ralph said, Lou, this is my uh, European partner, uh, Ralph, uh, Tony Sandler. And we really were such a big hit at Neverly here. But I really think we have something. Uh, and Lou Walters looked at us and he said, <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so I walked out of there and I said, Ralph, uh, this is not going to work. Uh, <laughs> well, we- uh, you know, I have so many things I want to do in Europe. We walked Manhattan on a cold night, I remember. And I said, Ralph, I, I'm, I think I'm going back. But meanwhile... Uh, Freddie Fields. Oh, the famous Freddie Fields. Got in the picture. And Polly Bergen, and especially Phil Silvers. Phil Phil heard us rehearse. I love Phil Silvers. Phil was just a magnificent man, you know. He saw you guys at the Dunes? Is that what happened, Tony? Not at the Dunes. Already when we were working in a lounge at the Sahara in Vegas. I thought you'd already been to the, you moved to the Sahara. But, well, yeah, that happened because after... Uh, we put the act together. Uh, all of a sudden, we got we got a, li- a little contract at the Sahara in the lounge. Mm-hmm. And with us at the lounge was Harry James. Uh, uh, Where were Louis Prima and Keely Smith performing? They were at the Sands. They were at the Sands next door. Okay. You see, the big room it was Frank and and, and, and the Rat Pack. Mm-hmm. Flamingo, where Rob and I headlined for all those years, for 15 years, was next to the Sands. Right. But the Rat Pack, they, they didn't have a, a, a structured show like Rob and I had. They just walked on stage and were kidding around for an hour and a half. And that was sometimes glorious, sometimes not. But, you know, that was the Rat Pack. Yeah. They didn't miss. Well, they never missed those guys. You know, they were uh, so such terrific entertainers, of course. But um, so it's Sahara. And I said, Phil came Phil was in a headlining in the main room at Zahara when we were in the lounge. And they gave us the first and the last shift. We were on at 2.30 in the afternoon, where everybody is by the pool. And at night, at 1.30, when everybody is tired and goes to bed, right? In between, they had uh, the other acts. So, <laughs> one night, Phil Silvers, believe, or, believe it or not, 
he had heard a rehearsal. Phil was on the stage at the end of his show that was packed with 800 people in the main room at the, at the Sahara. And he said, folks, I don't know what you're doing after the show, but I'm going to get out of this sweaty tuxedo here, and I'm going to go and take a look at, at Ralph and Tony in the lounge, Sandra and Young. So all of a sudden, from empty rooms at the Sahara Lounge, here we have a packed room after Phil's show. Wow. Who is there? Who is there is Polly Bergen and Freddie Fields. And we proceeded to entertain those people to the fullest. Freddie came to us. He said, Polly is setting up a, a tour, and it would be great if she could have the, the two of you with her on the stage, do part of your act, and then also, you know, the picture again. Polly in the middle, Ralph and I on either side. And that was actually the beginning of, of the success of Sandra and Young. Without that, we would have struggled or I would have been back in Europe. And so here is, uh, here is the, the Polly Bergen show. Now, Polly is booked at the uh, Persian Room in New York, the class of the class at the time. I was in, in, a, in 60, uh, February 66, I think. And the room was packed with, uh, if a bomb fell on that room, there was no Hollywood left. I mean, everybody was there. And Freddie could do that. I mean, I cannot name any person that wasn't there. If, um, I mean, big actors, uh, Edward G. Robinson, uh, 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 Vincent Minnelli. I mean, they were all there. Wow. And we proceeded to uh, to do a great show with Polly. And then Polly said, uh, those guys don't need me. Uh, they're stars on their own, Polly said. And they brought us back in August of 1966 at the Persian Room to star Sandra and Young on our own. And that took off like wildfire. From there on in, uh, the uh, Livingston, who was the president of Capitol Records, came between Ralph and I as we were sitting there and I said, boys, I'm going to sign you on Capitol Records. And after that, we recorded uh, all these fantastic things that we did in the tower in Los Angeles. The fantastic recordings, I have I have them all here, actually. Uh, I just digitized everything. There's uh, 110 Sandra and Young so songs. 110, the wow. The complete recording collection of uh, Capitol Records recording stars, Tony Sandra and Ralph Young. That's the first package here. And so uh, that that's basically the story. We shot up like... Uh, we did eight at Solomon shows, three Red Skeleton shows. Oh yeah, uh, the Dean Martin show. We did them all. Bunch of Carsons too. Carson, and, yeah. and, and then Gilbert to go back to uh, uh, the Walters. Barbara Walters was on the Today Show with with. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we should we should tell our listeners that's the daughter of Lou Walters who gave you the raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> While Gilbert tries to remember who our guest is. And what's your name? <laughs> A few words from our sponsor. <laughs> Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! 
It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, I'm Keith Carradine. Yeah, I'm easy. You're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. Take my hand and pull me down. It's the best. I won't put up any fight because I'm easy. Live from Nutmeg Post. We now return to Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal podcast. But guys, why don't you talk a little bit so I can listen to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> You're telling the story very well, Tony. The the uh, you downs Thank you, Frank. you downs had you guys on the Today Show and fell in love with you. Oh, that was the craziest thing. Uh, one morning, uh, they gave us 31 minutes on the Today Show performing. Unheard of. We 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 brought in a, a trio. Joe Crabarry was our conductor then at the time. And the switchboard lit up. The girls at the switchboard said, we have never seen anything like it when we walked out of the studio. That, you know, it was, was just a total, very rewarding success. And, uh, you know, so quick, actually, we got to the top. That's just unheard of. I think we're both interested, aren't we, Gil, in the mob relationships in, in Vegas and what was happening at the time? A lot of our guests have said the mob treated them very, very well. Yeah, you can't find any celebrities who had any complaints about the mob. They treated us so well, Gilbert, but <laughs> we had a little sign on the door at the Flamingo. I, I worked for the mafia for, for like nine years there, you know, until things changed there, uh, where corporations came in and all that. You remember that switch that happened in Vegas. But uh, there was a little notice on the door, no blue material. The mafia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No they wanted blue material. <laughs> Clean so axe. These were killers <laughs> who, who well, were Gilbert. offended by dirty words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we catered to the the family type, you know, uh, people, all the Midwesterns that flew into Vegas. Uh, that was then, you know, we packed those rooms with. Um, with the with the flyover country, <laughs> <laughs> but they but they treated you fairly. Oh, you didn't mind doing, but you and Ralph didn't mind doing business with with them. Well, you never knew. We had our contract with uh, with the uh, director of the of entertainment. We never we knew mm-hmm. what was happening behind. They would come in occasionally uh, and tap you on the shoulder and said, "Hey, great job, thank you." That's all. That was it. That was it. Plus, all the celebrities you read about or hear, and a few we've had on the podcast, right? Who just said that that was the the best their careers were. The, Gilbert, were. the golden time. Yeah, a- absolutely. 
There was no interference, never. You were protected. You were, you know, uh, there were uh, some bodyguards that you never saw, but they were there. It was all kinds of stuff that was not obvious. But we were, uh, when you filled the room for them, uh, Frank, you had it made. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all you, that's all you need to do. Fill the room and have them pull the slot machines. That's what that was. Were you guys given uh, the keys to Rolls Royces of your, to use and, and, oh, and oh, oh, homes oh, with oh, servants oh, and cooks? Oh, oh. <laughs> now, now, you're, now, you're, now, now you're talking. <laughs> so now we're in Reno for, for Bill Hara. Yeah, Bill Hara. And Bill Hara became a big fan. Actually, he would fly in with a private plane when we were when we were in in, in uh, or Cohasset or something in the theater and rounds on the East Coast, remember? Uh, those places, oh, 3,000 yeah. seaters that we packed to, you know, uh, for a week. Can you imagine that? 3,000 seater, you go in there for a week, so that's three times six, that's 18,000 people yep. that you have to pull in. But Bill Harrow would fly in there with his private plane to see us. So he... Uh, we were on the contract with Bill Hara, and when you worked for Bill Hara, uh, they ga- he gave you each. Rob and I had a house. We had two mates. <laughs> we had a cook, and the Rolls Royce of your choice, the color of your choice. How about that, Gil? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, living large, Tony. I, I had a light blue. I love that car. <laughs> I, I'm lucky if I have potato chips in my dress. Potato skins, right? <laughs> you gotta, I'm going I'm to light my pipe. May I? Go ahead. Oh, of course. You're, you're the first guest we've had on who smokes a pipe. <laughs> really? <laughs> Only because we never interviewed Rudy Valley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was well, our, our, friend, our friend here in Minneapolis, John. John he, Seals he, is here with us. Yeah, he loves cigars, so I, I gave him a cigar. I think he finished it already, didn't what? you? What I have was, another one downstairs, though. But. <laughs> <laughs> what was Vegas like at that time? I mean, you were you were in the heart of it, Tony. I mean, you you guys, you got the Rat Pack performing up the Strip. You've got Louis Prima and, and Keeley were at the Sands. We went to visit them often after after because mm-hmm. they were on late. Mm-hmm. Akili and uh, Prima and they did a you know a fantastic job. Those guys, there was there was such fun, such atmosphere there. Yeah, Louis crazy. Uh, and we just lost her. I heard that. Felix and Akili, Akili, uh, uh, Rav. After everything was done, uh, you know, we were. I I moved here to Minnesota, and Rav went to Palm Springs. And Keeley and Ralph became actually very, very good friends uh, at the latter part of Ralph's life. Oh, that's nice. And she was very instrumental, I heard, in uh, securing uh, our, our star, the Sandra and Young star, in the Walk of Stars. She endorsed that very heavily, so bless her. When I'm in Palm Springs, I'm going to find your star. Yes, sir. Yeah. I'm there. I was going to say, it all. it's Phil Silvers. You, you guys owed a lot to Phil Silvers, as it turns out. That was a turning point. Absolutely, absolutely. And Phil was just a sweetheart, you know. He he. When we talked the other day, Frank, you you asked me the people that I have met in my life in show business, and I made the list here. And, and oh, he's got a list. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I can't remember them all. I had to think twice, you know. <laughs> you know, actually, people that I met and became Phil Donahue, for example. Uh huh. Remember Phil? 
Sure. Oh, he's, yes. he's here. We, I just saw him at a party. You're kidding me. About about a month and a half ago at a book signing, at a uh, at a book reading. Sullivan, Griffin, Douglas, Donahue, uh, Downs, uh, Sinatra, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Milton Berle. Milton was also very instrumental in uh, in our career. Polly Bergen. Lucille Ball became a good friend of my wife, Phil Silvers, Presley, Carson, Liberace. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Liberace was a... I have several, several wonderful pictures with this guy. He, he was a sweetheart. He said... I'm not so good at promoting myself, he said. I always pre- very good at promoting other people. Liberace, sweet man. Lena Horne, F- as Ella Fitzgerald, Constance Towers, remember her? Sure. Red Skelton, who was magnificent. Al Martino, Goulet. Al Martino, loved him. Johnny Fontaine, ah, the uh, godfather. Uh, <laughs> Robert Goulet walks up to me at the Sahara, and, uh, and uh, I said, Hello, mon vieux, ça va? Tout va bien? He said, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Goulet spoke French fluently. I thought he was Canadian or, or something at the time. I, I rattled off something in French with him. He said, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Did not speak French. Robert Goulet. Not, not much. Jerry Vale, remember Jerry him Jerry well. Vale, loved him. Judy Garland, Barbara Streisand, Andy Williams. Andy and Ralph had a long career together. They knew each other from way before. Mm-hmm. When the, the Williams brothers and Ralph are oh, very sure, connected, sure, the Williams brothers, uh, uh, Lauren Bacall. You know what she did? She came to see us at the plaza, and she said to Val Irving, "I want that Flemish flesh." <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> She liked me. I lo- obviously. That's I was great. pretty good looking at the time. Oh, yes. yes. She wanted me. <laughs> uh, Betty Bacall. Uh, Sonny and Cher, I see here. We did the waste ball in, in Los Angeles. And Bob Hope was the uh, uh, announcer mm-hmm. or the method of ceremonies. And Polly, uh, Polly was there and Ralph and I and Sonny and Cher. We're performing for uh, for uh, the royal family mm-hmm. for the waves ball. I don't know if you know what that is. No, you know, Gil. Waves, waves, waves ball? ball. Yeah, that was promoted by the the, the British uh, royal family. So here is. Uh, can I tell that story? Sure. It, it's Hope Bob Hope walks on stage and reads, greets the people and said. Uh, uh, and here they are first, the Sonny and Cher. The people are still eating. They're still m- munching. So Sonny and Cher, with their group, walk on stage. They tune their instrument. For about 10, 15 Then they start playing. And the first song, I think uh, Sonny, uh, Cher won't be happy to hear that, sorry. But the, <laughs> the first <laughs> won't song. won't tell her. The first song, people go. Second song. Third song. <laughs> Fourth song. Boo. <laughs> Fifth song. Boo. Sixth song. Seventh song. They were booed off the stage. So I'm standing backstage with Bob Hope at Polly and Ralph. And it was uh, like a little, little stairs coming down. 
And Sunny came down first, and then Cher comes last, and she stares me in the eye. She said, I guess we bombed. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I never forgot that. How do you that. get booed off the stage at a benefit? <laughs> but, <laughs> That's a rough crowd. But, but wait a minute. While the, the capper is this. While they were on stage, the woman that was in charge of that whole affair rushes backstage, and she said, Mr. Hope, Mr. Hope. You have to do something. They hate them. You have to do something. And Bob, look, uh, Bob Hope looked at her. He said, I have to do something? You hire them. You better do something. Wow, what a story. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What, what, you, I, never, I never forgot that one. That's a great one. You told me on the phone you were friendly with Sid Caesar, that you loved him. What was he like? Are you kidding me? Sid, Sid was, a, was a genius. Sid had, had the, the fastest... You know, he was our guest on the when we hosted the Craft Music sure, many I times. It. I did a couple of skits with him that were just hilarious. And what a pleasure to work with this man. He was the cream of the crop, Sid, Sid Caesar. You know, I knew Shecky very well, Shecky Green. But oh, Sid Shecky Bob, loves Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, to tell you, that, I mean, I never met um, a gentleman like Sid Caesar. That's Truly. nice. That's nice to hear. What was your experience of Jerry? Jerry Lewis. Uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, oh boy, I hit a nerve. <laughs> hey, he was always nice to us. Okay. Gilbert. Yeah. There there are certain people that um I'm always excited to use that line. Well, he was always nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> we'll read between the lines, Tony. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but but Sid was a totally fun guy because you hear hear stories that Sid Caesar could be very closed off from people. And depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you know what? He had such a fast mind. You know what he could do? He could imitate the language very well. You, you heard him do that, I'm sure. Yes. Sure. So, so one day we did a sketch where I spoke every language that I speak in, in, in fast successions, you know, like we were having a conversation. I said, Hello, mon vieux, mais qu'est-ce qui se passe aujourd'hui? Qu'est-ce que tu as fait aujourd'hui? And he would repeat in garbage <laughs> French. But everybody else that didn't speak the language said, son of a gun, he, this guy talks French. They didn't know. Yeah. Of course, I knew it was all garbage that I was saying, but he could imitate whatever syllable I spoke or in German. And I said, yeah, wir werden ja heute eine große Auseinandersetzung haben. And he would jump on that and make it sound like, and he was the only one that I ever met in my life that could do that. So people that don't speak the language say, son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was gifted. Yeah, he, was, he was very brilliant gifted. at doing that. Hey, am I doing okay, guys? You're doing wonderful. Excellent. We want to ask you. Go ahead, Gil. You want to ask him about uh, Peter Laurie. Was, do you remember anything of Peter oh, Laurie? Wow. He was on the Kraft Music Hall with you and... Ralph, do you have any memory of him, Tony? Not much of him. No. Much more of uh, of uh, Victor Borgi. Yeah. Uh, uh, Victor was uh, was a genius. 
And of course, Vincente Price, you know, Vincent Price. Vincente Price, I like that. He, he, <laughs> Tell us about Vincent Price. That's one of Gilbert's yes. favorites. Well, another total gentleman. Uh, you know, great cook, by the way. Oh yeah, he got he got together with me, me with my wife, and they were uh, 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 sharing uh, all kinds of of things, uh, you know, for the kitchen. He he was really a phenomenal cook, Vincent. But what a gentleman again. There's this, you know, there's one thing, guys, I, I don't know whether that's at all possible, but I would certainly like to retrieve uh, the 12 uh, shows that I did, that I hosted for Kraft. I only have eight of them. And I, I get no response uh, or from NBC or from the Kraft people as to where the others are. Oh, that's and, interesting. You'll have to tell yeah. me which, after we get off the uh, the air... So yeah, to speak, Frank, yeah. you'll tell me the four that are missing, uh, Tony. Mm-hmm. I'll see if I can help you track them down. I mean, a, a lot that, of that's fantastic. Yeah, a lot of times those TV shows would just discard. We hope they weren't erased. Yeah, that's always the case, right? Yeah, you know, and they were probably on two inch or one inch. I I, I don't know. Well, the early but Carson I, shows were a lot of the very early Carson shows were erased. The yeah. first one with Groucho. Does it doesn't exist? But in, let's let's hope that's not the case here. Entire maybe, series. Maybe maybe Frank, they have some pneumatics. I don't know. I, I will look into it. I promise you that. Yeah, because they were like entire series that were just dumped. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah, you know that. But, and, go ahead, Tom. And, and Gilbert, that they would be still very entertaining for people for certain channels. I guarantee you, because those were very well constructed shows. And all the all the guest stars we had from Ella Fitzgerald to Lena Horne yeah. to you name Terry it. Thomas, uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> tell, tell, tell us something about him. Well, you, you had to stare at his teeth always. You know his, his front teeth. I said, Jesus, why can't you fix that? <laughs> he built a career on. He it. was funny man. Well, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. What about what, what about Uncle Milty? You said that Burl was uh, was close to you and Ralph. Milton, we were on his show, mm-hmm. uh, and Milton was sitting in his dressing room, uh, in his robe with his socks down, and on the back of his robe it says "The Greatest." That's that's Milton. On the back of his robe it was written <laughs> "The Greatest." <laughs> So we're we're rehearsing uh, a piece called uh, Ralph and I were doing a French American medley where I sing French songs, kind of intricate stuff for about five a five minute piece that we that was really kind of clever and uh, so where that counterpointal stuff comes in with songs that people would never imagine would match together sung at the same time, like you wanting to sing side by side with me. Yes. <laughs> Which we're gonna do. Stay tuned. Oh, we're gonna do that. But uh, so, so here we're working in the studio. The cameras are on, everything, uh, and the director comes down from his perch up there, and he comes to us, and he um, says, "Boys, I was just thinking, uh, maybe uh, this is a little long, and maybe we should cut it from here to there, and then add this to that, and all of a sudden, the door flies open from Milton's." Uh, dressing room and he goes straight to this guy and put his finger right on his chest he said you dumb son of a bitch 
He said, leave those boys alone. You have no clue what you're trying to do here. This is perfect. This is structured. And this guy <laughs> with, his, with his tail between his legs walked <laughs> off. Wow. That was Milton. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah, that was Milton. And, and I've tried to show some restraint for a few minutes. Uh, but you know what Milton Pearl <laughs> is oh, famous no. for. Yeah, for stealing everybody's uh, 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 jokes. Well, that was well, one thing. Well, that was one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The other thing, he was supposed to be incredibly well endowed. <laughs> well, well, I think I, we just lost John Seals. <laughs> Gilbert, I should have seen that he was wearing his robe. <laughs> and I didn't see that. Oh. I didn't see any any Berlin Berlang there. I didn't see anything. So. You missed out. <laughs> Yeah, I, I missed out. <laughs> oh, you guys. Oh, we, you guys. We've, we've had a, at least three guests who've seen it. it oh, really? It's legendary, uh, I, Tony. Yeah, I can't say it. Had its own, it had its own management. <laughs> <laughs> but he was sure he was sure um, a craftsman, this guy. And um, for all the times that I encountered Milton, uh, I have very, very good, fond memories of this man. Wow. How about Dino? <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. The nicest, quietest fella, never bragging, never coming on strong. Just, a, 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 by the way, there is an intro that only Dean Martin could have given us. It's somewhere uh, on a tape where he introduces us. I've never heard an introduction like that. So he was convinced about uh, the San Renyong worth, the San Renyong entity, very much. Here is just about the most exciting musical act to come along in a long time. These two guys have become a smash hit, and for a very good reason. They deserve to be a smash hit. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Sandler and Ralph Young. Can you do for an opening number that hasn't been done before? Why even sing an opening number? They usually are such a bore. Folks in the know say your style of a show will it be but you're wonderful, you. That's the book. While others would say they're writing good day. When you're down and out, lift up your head and shout, there's gonna be a great day. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. What about Sammy? You knew Sammy too. Sammy became a good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that? This was, in my opinion, one package of an ugly little guy who had more talent than anybody. Uh, you know, he had more talent in his pinky than uh, a lot of people in show business. Uh, and he was a nice guy, and he was at the time married to May Britt, I think. Mm -hmm. We had many a, a cup of coffee together, uh, uh, and he was uh, extremely interested because of my European background, uh, you know. And then uh, that was at the time that Sammy acquired a British accent. Do you remember that, Gilbert? <laughs> oh, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you remember that? That was kind of the funniest he, thing you ever saw. You he know? had a few affectations, Sammy. 
Yeah, but <laughs> deep inside, you know, uh, he was a great guy. And at the time, he had lost his eye there in in, uh, in Bakersfield in a, a big accident. Sure. That was sad. What kind of comics opened for you guys? I know you, I know Myron Cohen was one of them. Myron. Oh, Myron. Myron <laughs> Cohen. <laughs> Quiet, nice fella. Always dressed beautifully. Always elegant. Oh, yeah. Myron. God, was he funny. And he, yeah. like, started out as, like, a salesman. Yeah, he was well, salesman, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever meet him, Gil, in your travels? Uh, no. What a truly funny I man. Wish- but, but, Gilbert, this guy was so consistent he knew where his lines were and where they worked he worked his audience to perfection that was always a home run with 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 myron always always a home run it was always like very slow drawn out and deliberate hysterical take his time getting there yeah he was deliberate always pretty deliberate Uh, but yeah did you ever work with buddy hackett Oh, buddy. <laughs> His face, Tony's face just fell. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal something about Buddy. Buddy also became a kind of a close a confidant with me. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, and we played tennis together. And Buddy was not a very good tennis player. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> But when we played doubles, he had a forehand, and I was on the right to usually use my backhand. You know, you, you imagine. So when a ball came that I could easily reach with a backhand and, and hit a uh, and hit it out of the park. One day we're playing up where in New York in uh, in it was I think in the Boston area. So we're playing and it's uh, going all it's going pretty good. So he hits the forehand, and I hit the backhands. I go to the net. I I, I smash this, and the, the, and, we, and we win. But all of a sudden, the ball comes here, and he it, the ball came actually pretty clo- close closer to him than to me. So I knew that I can really rip it with a backhand, which I did. And Buddy looks at me. He said, "He said that that, he, that, that, that was my ball." I said, well, "What were you talking about? That was my ball." <laughs> <laughs> but Buddy, I don't know if you know that fellow. So that's what what I wanted to get to. He he was a poet. I don't know if you know that he I, wrote poetry. No. I did not know that. Buddy wrote beautiful poetry. And would call me sometimes at night at three o'clock sobbing. He was a very sensitive soul, Buddy Hackett. Wow. Yes, yes, Who sir. This, no. I, I, this. I, I, I'm revealing that to you, and probably nobody would reveal that, but that's that's it. That that's was Buddy Hackett. Not a, not a portrait that's been painted of him before. No. Deep soul. We heard he had a penchant for handguns. And- but that I don't know, but he, yeah. this man had a deep soul. That's nice to hear. I confided in me uh, often about... Uh, very sensitive stuff, yeah. That was Buddy Hackett. Boy, that, I'd never heard anything. Well, you can take it from me. I know it. <laughs> what What about Joey Bishop? That's the last one I'll, we'll ask you for. <laughs> Sweet, sweetheart. You like Joey Bishop, too? Joey was a sweetheart. Well, you, sweetheart. Got, you got along with everybody, Tony. No, well, why not? I mean, those people were, like I said, like you said, Gilbert, 
they were certainly nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> and the other, the other thing, Gilbert, hey, I, I was I was the European, remember? Mm-hmm. I was amongst all the Americans. I was the European. I, I was the guy. Uh, on top of that, I was the guy. <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand that. And those people accepted me like I was their equal and or, or, and and had admiration for what we did. Now, how would you feel? I mean, of course, you know, I was really the intruder. You know, we're all immigrants. I I immigrated here uh, later than other people. Became a proud American citizen in '71. Uh, after I I had to go through rigorous tests with a, an old judge. The old judge is asking me, there were three people when I was sworn in, in America. There was a, a, a Vietnamese girl, and a, a, I think a Puerto Rican cab driver or something, and, and me, and, and this judge is asking me all the questions. Lengthy, uh, are the Supreme Court judges appointed or, or, or elected? I said, they're appointed. How do you know that, he said, the judge. I said, well, I learned it. You know, I learned when I came into the United States, English was my fifth language, but I learned to speak English, right? I spoke four other languages before, but I was sure to come to America and speak damn English. How are you going to thrive in a country if you don't speak the, of course. <laughs> the, the language? And that was, that was all there was to it, and, you know, we're performing somewhere in Michigan, 1,500 people in a, big, in a pretty big room packed. In the middle of the show, uh, Ralph stops the show and said, folks, I have an announcement to make. Uh, my European partner, uh, Tony Sandler, just became an American citizen, and that room erupted in a five-minute standing ovation Wow! in, 70, in 71. Think of that. That's not too long ago, right? Not that long ago. 40, 46 Gilbert, years. Gilbert, what, what do you say, Gilbert, to that? No, huh? that that's an ama- that I wish was on film. I hope that happens today. That's a, well, that's what I'm trying yes, to tell you, fellas. Unfortunately, fellas. a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment yeah. here now. Well, I, I, I'm not anti-immigrants, but come in the, the, the right way, and then the, I did. Yeah, yeah. And when, when Ralph Young... Hit sixty five, which back then was considered the official retirement age, and he uh, he decided to uh, leave the team and regretted it. Oh, yep, he regretted it because he realized that out of the limelight, uh, that's a different story. When the phone stops ringing, you people know that. You're, you know, when the phone stops ringing, that's pretty drastic. We all know that, right? Yes. And Ralph came back to me. He said, I, I quit too early. I said, yes, you did. But contrary to what was in the papers, there was no fight. There was no discord. Ralph just came to me. He said, I can't do it anymore at 65. Now, Mind you, at that time, I was only 49. Right. 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 So I continued, of course. Yeah, you did a lot after that. And then you guys reunited in, in, uh, in 2001. 
Well, I did a show called Swinging Down Memory Lane, yeah. right, in Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. A beautiful show with big band and, and choir and the whole damn thing. And I invited uh, Ralph, and he came. And for the last time, Ralph and I, with the choir behind us, sang Dominique, Nique, Nique, Son of the to supplement way down upon the Swadi River. <laughs> Uh, and, oh. and 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 the whole room erupted at, at tears. There were tears of in, in the audience. Yeah. What I wouldn't have given to be, to be at that last show, Tony, and, I, I, seen, oh, yeah. and seeing you guys one last time. I mm-hmm. didn't know he regretted it. That Ralph regretted it? Yes. Oh, yeah, very much so. Did he very ever want to talk to you about reteaming? No, that... I, you know, uh, Cami contacted me right after that. They knew I had been a, a single performer before, and uh, they contacted me, and I started doing extensive touring by myself for Cami. I covered the country. I did 200 a year or something, just a phenomenal rate. And uh, I surround myself with excellent female singers, and did, for example, an evening of Learner and Low. I did an evening of Cole Porter. I did an evening of Irving Berlin, which is all on tape, by the way. I have this on uh, one-hour specials of that stuff. And that was not only lucrative, I didn't have to split the money anymore. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love your version of On the Street Where You Live, by the way, Tony, since you bring up that, that Learner and Low special. Is that pretty or what? It's beautiful. What you do with it is wonderful. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, and you're gonna have to plug your 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 collection at the end of this. Well, I'd love to, guys. You know, it's it's gonna be available. Uh, I have the package of twelve discs of of uh, Capital, mm-hmm. all f- freshly uh, digitized again, beautifully digitized. Actually, almost better than the original. What can be done today? You know that, and sure. uh, and certainly. Uh, uh, you know it, my friend here. My so, engineer <laughs> is right next uh, to you there. And then uh, Ralton, who was Ross and my company, we recorded another 10 uh, albums. So it's a total of about 220 songs. And uh, this is kind of the prototype thing. I don't know. Here it is. Okay, so it's not available yet. You're working on making it available. Uh, it's going to be available uh, to my uh, uh, website, TonySander.com. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, he's no Ralph Young, but <laughs> are you are you feeling adventurous, Tony? Well, who's going to be the adventurer, me or him? You. <laughs> you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you start it. Well, G- give me a tone. Oh, oh, we ain't got a barrel of money. Maybe we're ragged and Funny, but we travel alone, singing a song side by side. Don't know what's coming tomorrow. Maybe it's trouble and sorrow, but we'll travel a road, sharing our load side by side. Through all kinds of weather, what if the sky should fall? As long as as they're together, (laughs) it doesn't matter at all. (laughs) When we both got the top of them, parted, we were the same as we started, just traveling alone, singing a song side by side. (laughs) 
was beautiful. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys. Tony, are you feeling honored? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think he's putting something else in his pipe now. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I don't want to team up. I don't want to split the money, but that's fine. <laughs> I remember uh, growing up, it was like there were a million variety shows. Oh, yeah. And Sandler and Young seemed like they were on practically every night. Every one of them. Mm hmm. Yeah, Hollywood Palace. There were some we didn't even mention. Hollywood Palace. Yeah. Yeah. Carson, Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas. Oh, the Mike Douglas show. I I have an affinity for, uh, for Philadelphia, of course, because I must have done. Uh, 50 Douglas shows. We were always on the Douglas show. Yeah, yeah. Even my beautiful mother, Valentine, who had eight kids, was on the Mike Douglas show. Can you imagine? I that? love that. <laughs> that little woman from Flanders, so proud of her son, was on the Douglas show. And you know who was on that same show? Who? President Nixon. Oh, wow. wow. That's bizarre. I know you were on the Hollywood Palace with Adam West. Yeah, but but here here is my youngest daughter, Natalie, uh, sitting on Nixon's knee. Oh boy! And she had she had two teeth missing, and it was around Christmas. And she sang, "All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth." You know, <laughs> the, uh, on, Nix, on Nixon's knee. I love wow. that. Wow! I love it. No, oh, Sandler and Young was everywhere. Yeah, I told you, my mom, my ninety-year-old mom, is a fan. How did you guys find me again? How did we find him? I think through Gino Salamone. Yeah, that's yeah. how we found you. I mean, both of us. Since we started the show, your I'd name's been, been thinking, coming up. Yeah, we were thinking, yeah, Tony Sandler. We have to get him. <laughs> We've been saying it for about a year. That's what I, my wife says. I got to get him. <laughs> and Lauren Bacall, apparently. And, and Oh, Lauren and that Bacall. gets me to another thing. You were pretty popular with all the ladies back then. Don't tell my wife that, but I was. <laughs> How could he not be? He speaks six languages. He's playing to sold-out crowds all over Europe. Oh, my God. You must have been in demand, Tony. Well, I was, guys, but, you know, uh, I was always pretty uh, respectful in my life. Uh, I was raised that way, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and I made a lot of friends, fellas, really, uh, uh, true friends, you know, that have, have been friends uh, for all those years. Uh, I just got a note here, Ingrid Bergman. Is that it? Bergman? Is it the one you talk about? I never met her, but, uh, you know, I, I wanted to make a point here a little bit. Um, Fantastic craft fellas in, in France, like Gilbert Bicot, Yves Montand, uh, one exception, Maurice. Maurice Chevalier made it big in America mm-hmm. because of films. But look at Aznavour, all those fantastic talents. Love Jacques Brel. Jacques Brel never really came true, believe it or not, to the general American public. And I did. I'm kind of the only guy there from Flanders, that Tony Sandler became a notion amongst millions of people. And it probably had to do with the many Sullivan shows that we did, because on Sundays there was only one show, right? 
and everybody watched the El Salvador show. And I did eight of those. So, and that continuous uh, <clears throat> appearance of Ralph and I on all those different shows, the afternoon shows, and certainly Murph was very instrumental too. Um, that kept on going for all those years. And so it's kind of, when I look back at my career and, and the recognition I got in this wonderful country of ours, I mean, I'm a very grateful fellow, okay? Uh, as, a, a, as a late a comer to the United States and how I was accepted. How would you feel? That's a nice thing to hear. You have gratitude for every bit of the journey and all the successes. Oh, yeah. None, of it, none of it was lost on you. Well, total, total gratitude. Good yeah. for you, Tony. Good for you. Well, we have gratitude that you that you decided to do this for us. Yeah. We're, we're thrilled that we got to meet you. We hope you'll consider us two new friends. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. Good. And I'm, I'm looking forward to singing another song. Uh, <laughs> We may leave Gilbert out of the next one. <laughs> now, I'm going to put you on the spot. I heard you singing Aznavour's She. Yeah. Could you do a couple of bars for for me? You want it in French or English? Either one. I, it's a song I adore. Toi, Paris de mille et Je ne sais jamais qui tu es Tu sembles si souvent de visage et d'aspect toi, c'est pas badi da 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 da. She may be the face I can't forget, a trace of pleasure or regret, maybe the treasure or the price I have to pay. She may be the song that summer sings, maybe the chill that autumn brings, maybe a hundred different things, and in the measure of a day. Beautiful. Wow, what a treat. Thank wow. you. Thank you, Tony. Now, there was one song. <laughs> you going to make him do another one? I, I always <laughs> remember my father uh -oh. humming this one. Yeah? I think it was, you know, da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Well, that's uh, La Vie en Rose. Oh, La Vie en okay. Rose. Any way you could sing any of that? Of course. Uh, <clears throat> how does it go? Um, Quand elle me prend dans ses bras, elle me parle tout bas, je vois la vie en rose. <laughs> He sounds great. Tony, you sound wonderful. Well, uh, the voice is still there amaz amazingly at 85. Uh, I always use my voice properly. And uh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm still recording, by the way. Good for you. Oh, wow. Tell us. And some... you know what I'm recording? You wouldn't believe it. Not rap. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, I am working with Dave Gross, who's uh, my accompanist. He is on the East Coast. Dave Gross is great. He's a Juilliard. Has stayed my friend. He conducted for Santa Young for many years. And I'm working on completing an album that I did of Schubert songs. Oh, wow. All in German. And I need four more songs. And before I kick the bucket, guys, I'm going to finish those four songs. And if I didn't think that the voice is still there to do it, 
uh, as perfect as possible, I wouldn't do it. Bless so. your heart. I mean, we're not experts, but he but he sounds wonderful. Oh, yeah. You know, we're not musicians. We're not engineers. But to us, you just you, you sound as good as you ever did. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Well, well, uh, I think most of our audience would agree you're not as strong as your own as you are with me. <laughs> I love you too, Gilbert. <laughs> so, <laughs> ah, you guys. We, we've been talking to uh, one half of the great team of Sandler and Young. And a guy's great on his own, Tony Sandler. Tony, thank you so much for this. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you again. Fellows, we're friends forever, okay? Thank you. As long as we're together, it doesn't matter at all. When they've all had their quarrels and parted, we'll be the same as we started. Just to travel along, singing a song side by side. We'll travel along, singing a song, side by side, let's do the cha-cha-cha. But we'll travel the road, sharing our own, side by side, let's do the cha-cha-cha. Through all kinds of weather, what if the sky should fall, just as long as we're together. It doesn't matter at all When they've all had their quarrels and parted We'll be the same as we started Just to travel along Singing a song Side by side Side by side Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santapadre with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to Paul Rayburn, John Murray, John Fodiatis, and Nutmeg Creative. Especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance. 